0: Ha ha ha! Get in the bucket. Get in the bucket. Not the 21-piece bucket. We're going to Kentucky to talk to a valve Angler. Absolutely. The 11 herbs and spices over in Kentucky.
1: <laughs> also, Herb, a little later in the show, we've got a question for you yes. about how you get your kids into fishing.
0: Yeah, this will be a good one, Spider. I'm more, I'm so passionate about getting kids into fishing, or anyone for that matter, so this is going to be a great chat. Make sure you stay tuned. It's time to go around the world again, and we're loving it. Oh. Well, Find out exactly where. We're going to catch up with
1: Steve Zupart now. He's from the Evolving Angler podcast. And we love chatting to other people who are doing podcasts because, you know what, they're doing exactly what we're doing. Trying to celebrate fishing and get people learning and introduction into different types of fishing everywhere around the world.
0: Exactly, Spider. And we have been traveling all around the world, but I love talking to guys like this. Uh, Steve's going to give us an insight into what he does, what he catches, how he does it, even maybe a little cook and tip. Uh, Steve, we got you there, mate. How are you? I'm doing
2: great. How are you guys doing?
1: Oh, yeah, we're always good. Uh, can we ask straight up, whereabouts are you based and where do you kind of mainly fish around?
2: I am in uh, Kentucky in the USA. And so mostly we're fishing the Ohio and Mississippi River tributaries.
1: For, for punters out here, you know, what kind of fish are we chasing? Uh, how big the river system there? And, you know, do you have to camp? Do you just go overnight? What's kind of – give us a little bit of a, a rundown on how you do it.
2: Well, I am a multi-species angler. So I chase everything from, uh, you know, small little sunfish up to large gars, catfish, paddlefish. Uh, I'm not familiar – I'm not sure how familiar you are with uh, U.S. species, but – we've got quite a bit of uh, of variation here. So, you know, you're looking at freshwater fish anywhere between two and three inches long and then, and then stuff that's uh, larger than me, depending on where you're at and what you're going for. So uh, the Ohio river is the second largest river in the United States. I fish a lot of the tributaries, the smaller rivers that flow into that. And then, The Ohio actually dumps into the Mississippi River, which is the largest river here. And uh, so along the Kentucky line, we we actually have, because of our rivers and streams, we have so much shoreline here and so much possibility. Uh, A lot of the streams start off up in, in the Appalachian Mountains, so they're cold water. So by the time they make it to the western portion of the state, which is a lot lower in elevation, Uh, you know, it warms up quite a bit. So right where I'm at, we got a huge variety of both northern fish and southern fish types, and uh, I I go for it all. I've actually caught every native species of game fish here, and so that includes all the bass, all the sunfish, uh, all the catfish species, all the ancient fish species. So we've got a pretty good variation here. Uh, Personally, though, I love targeting the ancient fish, and by that I mean like the living fossils, the fish that have been around for 100-plus million years and haven't changed very much. That includes stuff like bowfin, gar, paddlefish, sturgeon. and uh, But if I'm you know looking to catch something that I want to eat, I'm going after walleye and catfish, crappie, things like that. Yeah right.
1: Wow, that's it. Yeah. That's massive.
0: Yeah, huge array. Like when you look at it on the map and that. One thing I got to ask you: you're up there. And I know you're a little bit away from it, but you're close to Niagara Falls and the Great Lakes. Are there fish in them lakes? I've I've always wondered that.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Actually, usually every summer, I go up to Lake Erie, <clears throat> which is one of the Great Lakes, and uh, we troll around for walleye. So. um... Walleye are the largest members of the perch family, and, you know, they get 28, 30 inches, but a lot of people consider them the best tasting of the freshwater fish. So when we go up in the summertime, we'll throw out worm harnesses, uh, which are basically jigs you attach a nightcrawler to, you know, an oversized earthworm, and you troll them down at about 25 foot of depth. And uh, when you hit into the right spots, man, then poles just double over and and you're just reeling in beautiful, tasty uh, fillets, basically.
0: Yeah, right. I've always wondered what freshwater fish tastes like. I've never really eaten a lot of freshwater fish. I know in Australia we've got Murray Cod, we've got Australian Bass, we've got Yellow Belly and all that, but I've never – we eat more – oh, I eat more saltwater fish. But, yeah, you rate them, eh? So you, you do have a, a fish over there that you take you take home, you fillet them, you, you eat them. I think that's fantastic. Now, what are you targeting these fish on? Are we fly fishing? Are we conventional? Can you use, like, a placo uh, on a conventional fishing rod and reel, rear? Or,
2: or are you all fly fish? people hear fly fish uh, when they're targeting like trout but when we're going through a lot of the game fish species like the walleye you're using large jerk baits or you're using the worm harnesses or other artificial lures when you're targeting crappie which is another favorite here people usually go out with small jigs like minnow replicas or they're going out with live minnows And so it really depends on which species you're looking for. Uh, Catfish is huge in the southern United States. Everybody loves to go catfishing. And for those, you'll basically, you know, you'll catch a smaller fish species and cut it up. Uh, So cut bait is really popular. For the real big ones, when, you know, you're talking about 100 plus pounds, so 50 plus kilos, you know, you might hook on a, a live fish the size of your hand and throw it out.
0: Yeah, right.
1: So okay. it's all different ways. Well, can I ask catfish? Because we just use them as fertiliser, don't we? You're not allowed to put those back in the water.
0: We've got a few different types. Nah, catfishy, we have native ones, eel-tail caddies and fork-tail caddies. Okay. Yeah, it's different. Carp, mainly, you're thinking about here. Oh, I'm here. thinking of carp. Yeah, carp are introduced here. But one thing I want to know, Steve, catfish, have you noodled for them? I have. Tell us your story. I, st- I want to hear your noodling a, a story. Few different times. Yeah.
2: Well, have you got right. a good – I want to well, hear your
0: best noodling story because this fascinates me. People that dive under the water to grab a fish by its mouth and, and they're submerged in water, and these things are pulling them back into holes. I've seen a lot of this. I've never done it, but it fascinates me. I want to hear your best noodling story, steve eh? Well, it's probably the
2: first time that I ever went. You know, I'd always heard about it, and I've seen the old-timers do it. When I was a kid and I was growing up, uh, you know, we grew up in a real rural area. And I would see the old-timers get out and do it. Well, I always thought it was crazy. And then, uh, you know, sure enough, when I get older, it's something that I'm like, well, i got to try this at least once. And you had to guy? So go? I kind of get online and read a little. Yeah, I had to get online and read about it a little bit. Yep. And I talked to a few people. But let me tell you something. So talking about sticking your hand in a hole underwater <laughs> is one thing, but actually making yourself do it is another. <laughs> You know, okay. we get, in, in our waterways, we we've got beavers, we got otters, uh, oh. large snapping turtles. We we got all kinds of potential dangers that you can't see, and where this is a, you know, mountainous runoff, we're not talking crystal clear waters here. I mean, you know, you you look down, it's kind of murky, muddy. You don't really know what's in there. So, I'm out walking in this in this little creek that flows into the river, and I'm checking all the spots that you know everybody's told me to check. And then I find this, uh, this little hole that's kind of back underneath of a fallen tree. And keep in mind, I had checked probably like 20 different spots and nothing was there. And I was like, Oh, I'm doing something wrong. Well, I stick my hand back in just a little bit. Cause I'm a little bit hesitant, you know, kind of hoping I'm like, yeah. Oh, please don't let this be a beaver hole. <laughs> you know? and then whack! And, and, they clamp. So what it is, is the male catfish are the ones that guard the eggs. Yeah. So when the females lay the eggs, they disappear and the males sit in there and uh, on on top of the eggs and fan them and they ensure that, you know, that the eggs hatch and have a good survivability. Yeah. So to protect them though, they will literally attack any fish, any animal that attempts to go in there, even if they know they're going to lose. Apparently my hand looks in that murky water, like another fish, because it clamped onto there. And, uh you, you know, this is a 30 pound fish. This is as long as my leg. And pulling it out, I really thought that it was going to be harder to get it out. But no, when they clamp on, they are on there. And so it was one of those moments the first time that I ever done it. You know, the first time that I actually found a catfish in the hole. It was so exciting it was so exhilarating and it was so terrifying all at once
0: <laughs> man you yeah you've got to have a big set to stick your hand down in a muddy hole and uh, get bitten by now do they they don't have teeth it's like a raspy mouth isn't it so they just clamp down they don't cut you or anything but the that would give you a bit of a fright sticking your hand oh, in a hole oh my big god 30 pound fish
1: oh, i'll put this one on you only um it was probably oh, late last year anyway I had a little prawn, and there was a barramundi in a pond, and yeah. I was feeding the barramundi. You know, same thing, no teeth, and yeah. I just had the prawn above it, just putting it on the water, and you, I could see. It. I was looking at the barramundi in the eye. We're having a, we're having a stare off, yeah, and we're going, okay, what's going to happen? I'm looking, <laughs> I'm licking, I'm, I'm looking, and then he's just gone, bang! Oh Jesus! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> i still got one, two, three, four, five. I'm still got it, i still got it, oh my god, oh. oh Jesus! Oh, oh my god I absolutely crapped my pants Really? Oh, and the snap And the problem was gone And I look back and I've got five fingers still And I couldn't believe it It was amazing
2: Yeah you know that it's coming But when it actually happens It still catches you off guard It your It, was, it was absolutely exciting though and, and, then, and they they don't have teeth You're right it is a raspy mouth But the way that they clamp on and thrash You still end up bloody
0: yeah, okay, oh. so they still open you up. This is what I was wondering about, like, I've seen a lot of this on, on the TV and that, but, yeah, that, that's extreme fishing. Anyone that is going to put your hand down as bait, <laughs> in, in, in a, you know, uh, yeah, that, that's not my idea of fishing, but I've, you know. I've, I would you give it, it a go? F- oh, definitely. I'd love to, if I had someone there that was experienced. Would,
1: would you, honestly now, would you have the balls to put your hand into the hole?
0: Yeah, I'd have to have a few Dutch courages, a couple of Bundy rum cans or something before I get in there, just really (laughs) fill the void of of nauseousness and uh, before I stuck my hand in there because you don't stick your hand in any holes in in Australia. It's bound to get bitten off.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You you do a lot of kayak fishing. Um, What's the art? What is the art to kayaks? Mm.
2: Well, uh, Nick, who's the co-host on the Evolving Angler, he does quite a bit more uh, kayak fishing than me. I I've been out a few times. I'm a bank fisherman though. Yeah, guys, I'm uh I'm southern and I, you know I don't know how that reflects to how you guys view things over there, but I'm I'm rough. I'm out in the mud and walking the banks and well, hiking up to all these areas that no one ever dreams of going. I have been kayak fishing a few different times and and it's awesome. You know, it's it's very clean you can get into these remote places especially in these little creeks and stuff you can get into areas little coves that you could never want to take a boat into and places that I could never get to on shore it's great it's, but you know when you hook into a big fish when you hook into a fish it's as long as you it's dragging you around with yeah. it you know you want to make sure it doesn't take you to to a swift area in the current or, or you're gone Nick does a lot of kayak bass fishing here Yeah, and and he does really well with it, you know, and he gets out on the lakes and he, he knows how to turn the boat and get everything just right. So even when it's real windy, he's not drifting away. I'm not that lucky. You know, uh, when I first bought a kayak, I decided to go down to the river and I was chasing after musky and uh, I wanted to paddle right across the river and get to this little cove where I've Shore fish before thinking I was going to have this other angle. Well, I paddle out and I, I hit the current wrong, and and then I wash downstream. Oh. So in five minutes, I wash so far downstream. It it takes me like two hours to get paddled back up to where I need to go, and I'm more out, <laughs> not ready to cast ten thousand times. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, wow! I, I'm I'm not the right one to be asking these kayaks yeah. because you know. It it would be real disappointing to to hear for me. I'm not that good on them. Now I've watched a lot of these guys get out and finesse, and they can drift with their kayaks and do all this awesome, amazing stuff. There's a lot of tournaments here. Kayak fishing is absolutely exploding here in this country. A lot of people love to do it. I I'm just uh, I'm not personally that guy. That's uh, I. I I don't have the right touch for it, you know? Yeah, 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 Some guys ride motorcycles, but other guys need to stay in cars, you know what I mean? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Good point. Horses well for said. courses, steve yeah. Now, you talk about prehistoric fish, and I've got a question for you. I want to know alligator gar, or the big gar you talk about. Now, these things grow massive, Spider. They are massive, and they've got a head like an alligator. Big teeth and that. And these guys catch them. You were talking about it before, Steve. Tell us about your experience with a big gar, because these things grow massive, 100-pound nelly. Uh, they they are huge. I want to hear your tussle with a big alligator gar.
2: Well, we actually have a few different types of gars here in, in the United States. And, uh We catch a lot of like spotted gar, might be 20, 30 inches long, three, four pounds, but alligator gar. A few years ago, I decided I wanted a big one. And the saying here is that everything's bigger in Texas. So me and my best friend, we fly out to Texas and go to the Trinity River system. It's known to have like huge numbers of massive gar. Now, you guys were talking about carp. You know, being introduced there. Well, they're also introduced here, and uh, everybody hates them. Mm. You know what I mean? They were brought here. They were brought here a long time ago, and uh, they've kind of taken over. And a lot of people dislike how they root around in the mud and dirty up the water and everything. So, not a lot of carp fans here, as much as you'd find. You know, like in Europe, I, I guess in Europe they're. A really big sport fish, but here they're considered a rough fish. Well, we go out on this gar fishing trip and he's got like five carp laid out on the boat. I'm like, oh, okay, so we're going to cut up little strips of these, right? Nah, he cuts them right in half. So we're using a whole car path, probably three, four pound baits. He's putting a treble hook in and he's showing us how to catch these things and we cast it out and you have a floater. But the floater's not attached. It's just sliding on the line, you know? Yeah. And it's basically an indicator of which way the, the fish is swimming. Okay. So, a half a carp sitting out on the bottom of the Trinity, and then all of a sudden you'll just see the line take off at a pretty good speed. After the fish goes down so far, it'll stop, and it'll maneuver that that gar in its mouth, ma- or that carp head in its mouth, and, and then swallow at which point time they turn and go the opposite way. So you're kind of watching the floater just to see which, which direction there. the fish is heading. Yeah. So I'll set the hook and man these things are powerful. Uh the biggest one that I caught that day was over seven feet long and uh we didn't have a scale big enough but <laughs> we done the, the length and girth measurement. Yeah. And we figured it out to be 160 pounds. Whoa. And and they are.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. They are.
2: It's like hauling an alligator into the boat. Yeah. So they're thrashing. You can't reach in and, and, you know, lift them into the boat because these teeth, these teeth are huge. Yeah. So you have to slide a rope down over the line and kind of noose them and pull them into the boat and let them wear themselves out in the boat because if you grab a hold of one of these, you know, when they're fresh, they're going to, they're going to whip you.
0: Yeah. Wow. Uh,
2: but we we caught like a dozen. The smallest that day was a hundred pounds, but that was, Jeez. that was my biggest one was 160 pounds. And it was absolutely amazing. That's like, uh, by the end of the day, my, my arms were jelly. It was 105 degrees outside in, in the Texas sun. And, uh, it was a real workout. One of the most awesome experiences of my life. Anyway.
1: That's, that's, cool. that's, that's like catching me.
2: Oh, you're not that light. <laughs> 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 ah, Close, that's,
0: Spider. That
1: is a massive fish. That is unbelievable. Huge. Can we ask, um, you know, you do a lot of, as you say, a lot of different types of fishing. What is your favourite fish? What do you love to hunt for, but what do you love to cook?
2: All right, well, I love fishing for garters and sturgeon, uh, but when it comes to cooking, I'm, I'm a catfish man. Uh, you know, we go out, we catch these catfish. Anywhere between three pounds and fifty pounds is is good to eat. Slice them up, fillet them, and being a Kentucky boy, of course, I like everything fried. Oh. So we we'll deep fry those fillets. And- oh, Herbert's starting to fall
0: in love. Do you put any sort of coating on on the fillet? Do you do, do, you, do you put breadcrumbs? Are you are you a batter man? Is it just flour? Tell us how you Kentuckians do it. All right, well, we got two two
2: big recipes in my house. We got southern fried, which you'll take the fillets and you'll dredge them in like an egg wash and then roll them in a mixture of flour and cornmeal and deep fry that way. Uh. It's really good. And then uh, my kid's favorite is, of course, beer battered. You mix some flour, your favorite beer, throw in some paprika. It's a It's a wet batter, so dip it in there, drop it in the grease. Good to go. He's
0: missing the eleven oh. secret herbs and spices, there, isn't he? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is unbelievable. And, and what what is the beer of choice that you'd be? Uh, oh, you know, just making sure it accompanies this southern style, yes, catfish.
2: Uh, the beer of choice is whatever's left over in the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. I,
0: I, <laughs> You're not Australian, are you? You've come from Australia, haven't you?
2: <laughs> I'd love to make it out there one day. Oh, you should. Look, it's I beautiful. Don't, I don't even know what i do in, in your your all's waters. You know what I mean? I, I sit here and I watch these TV shows. Uh, people out there, Jeremy Wade has been to Australia a few times. He's out fishing for Bear and catching bull sharks. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, they're catching the sawfish and all that in your rivers, I might be brave for sticking my hand into a catfish hole, but you all you all got me beat any time that you're fishing around saltwater crocs and all that. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't go near
0: the water when you're up north, I'll put it that way. Where we are, but there are no crocodiles, a lot of sharks, a lot of big sharks. We get a lot of good hunting fish like Flathead in the estuaries and Jewfish, and, and we have our pelagic season, mackerel and wahoo and marlin and that. But... You know, this is all I can't believe. One hundred and sixty pound gar, yeah. massive, big walleye. I'm fascinated.
2: Uh, well, I actually released all the all the big gar. I didn't keep any of them because it, you know when they're that size, they might be like a, they might be eighty, hundred years old. You know what I mean? Wow, they're slow growing fish. Uh, I don't, they- don't want to, especially since I flew there. I didn't want to kill something that was that old. Yeah. And then get to eat like a meal before I flew back home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't want, you know, I didn't want to waste or anything like that. I just enjoyed catching them. It's so exciting, man! And you know, you got to put the work in and you put your muscle in and catch these things. And Can we ask have the kill it. Yeah,
1: no, that and that's fair. And I think that's absolutely fair enough. You're very similar to Herb. You, you, you trench the banks. You go through mud. You do whatever it takes to get a fish in the line. But you're from the banks or from a boat. Have you ever come unstuck trying to catch the ultimate fish when you're going through the mud, when you're heading out camping? Oh. Uh
2: well, the last species on my list, the native fish, was a pickerel. And the reason it was the last one on, on my fi- on my list was because it's one of the smaller fish. It max out like fifteen inches. And uh I looked all over. I checked all these places, the historical records and everything that said where they lived at and you know, I kept fishing at these spots. It took me probably six months to to find this fish, and there I was. You know, far western Kentucky, down on the Tennessee border, and uh, it was this swampy area. Some guy at a gas station told me he caught them there. I wasn't for sure if he was just messing with me because I was out of town <laughs> or what. But I figured, hey, I'm I'm out here. I'm a, I'm gonna give it a go, anyways. So uh, we get out, and you know. This is rough area for Kentucky, you know, it's just overgrown, super swampy. And uh, the ground was absolutely muck. I mean, it, it was just, you take a step and you'd sink in. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. So I trudged through all this, you know, this terrible stuff. I'm getting sunk up to my knees two or three places. And cotton Cottonmouth, which is, a, you know, one of our native venomous snakes laying up on the banks and everything there's swimming right by my feet as I'm trekking around trying to find all this, uh, you know, trying to catch his fish and my girlfriend's up on high bank and, and, you know, she walks away and then I hear her yell. She's like, Hey, there's a dock over here. I said, what? He said, yeah, there's a dock over here. You can just walk out here and fish. And oh. I walked out and sure enough, i I pulled into the wrong side of the lake. You know, I just didn't listen to his directions very well. So here I'm trudging around on the back side of the lake like an idiot walking through all this swampy area. And there's like a, a freaking city park, you know, just on the very next drive over. And, uh, <laughs> and
1: you and you caught the fish I'll the I'll tell you end. what,
2: though. Yes, yes, I caught the fish from the dock. So from a nice little wooden dog walkway that walks out, (laughs) that's where I finally caught this fish at. Uh... After I trudged around in mud, you know, uh, passing all these obstacles and everything for two hours. I love it. you got love to do the
0: hard yards, but, geez, it's hard when the missus is right, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Especially right. when they pipe up and say something. <laughs> Damn it. Damn right. it. Well, yeah, all right. I'll fish off the dock then. I just wanted to see if there was a better spot around here. That's what you say. Absolutely. <laughs> Never give them the, the, the time. Right. <laughs>
1: Steve, thank you very much for joining us. We really do appreciate your time uh, jumping on the anglers. And for everybody out there, if they want to uh, have a listen to what happens around uh, your neck of the woods, all we have to do, go to the Evolving Angler podcast. It's available where you get all your good podcasts. Steve, say hello to Nick. Really appreciate your time.
2: Hey, thanks
0: for having me on. You all have a good one. Good on you, Steve. Take it easy, mate. Over.
1: Well, it is time for Ask Me Herb, and as you say, hit us up at all our socials if you've got a question for Herb, or even me, <laughs> I don't know what, <laughs> ask me about something other than fishing, but no, 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 no I know enough, but um, yeah. this is great, thanks to Julian in South Australia, yep. he says he's got three children, uh, 12, 10 and 9, Yep. and he wants to know, what is the best way of getting them started and involved in fishing?
0: Yeah, it's a good question, Spider. I mean, I started as a very young bloke, probably three, four-year-old, and probably basic first. Go down to the jetty, take a half a loaf of bread, maybe a small packet of prawns, a float, a small hook, burly up some fish, and just get them catching. doesn't matter whether it's big uh, brim, little brim, big brim, flathead, uh, squid, whatever it may be. uh, Just get them catching fish to start with. Yeah. So a jetty is probably the perfect thing because it's a bit more visual. You can see the fish feeding. What you you know, throw a bit of burley out, throw a little baited hook with a bit of prawn or something in a small float. Just drop it into the school of fish. Watch them strike the float, hook up, and and then let the kids realise it from a visual point and the feeling yeah, of yeah. hooking up a fish on a rod. And I think once they get hooked on that, you will know pretty quickly by let's go down the jetty, Dad. Take let's us down the jetty. Yeah. And and before you know it, you're down there most weekends and then you can advance from there.
1: Well, I tell you what, it is pretty exciting. It doesn't matter where you are. And if you're driving around and, you know, you just sit there and then suddenly, you, you know, we're heading off to work each and every day. But over the school holidays, you see, you know... Three or four young fellas or young, young girls just going out there. They've got the fishing rods and they're just flicking in some bit of lures and just having a little bit of fun. It's pretty good, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I love it. I see uh, school holidays especially riding past the house and, you know, these kids with little trolleys hanging off the back yeah. of their bike and fishing rods and, and tackle boxes. And I think that's great because it's getting them out and about into nature instead of sitting in a room on a, on a, on a device. Yep. And it's getting them, you know, some of these kids catch catching good fish.
1: Absolutely. You
0: know, big flattered and whatnot. And to take that home to mum and dad, oh, I'm going to fish for tea tonight. That's pretty exciting for a young bloke, you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I think, um, yeah, the prospect of getting your kids into fishing, one, it's outdoors. Yes, it's a sport. You know, you wouldn't even associate fishing with Should have been in the Olympics. Yeah, I reckon. I reckon it should
1: be. Do you reckon we're missing something here? Do you reckon that, uh, you know, they've got skateboarding, they've got BMX riding, they've got uh, synchronised swimming, which I know you're a massive fan of. Yeah,
0: yeah, huge fan. Uh, (laughs) Do you reckon? Um, Look, they have some of the biggest fishing comps over in America with their uh, big bass and the walleye and all that sort of thing. Um, They're really competitive. They are really competitive. Oh, well, there's
1: absolutely. I'm sorry to cut you off because... um, They are, because a couple of times, didn't somebody... Oh, it was a few years ago now, and it wouldn't be a big surprise to anyone. When they cut the fish open, there was hook uh, led, sinkers. Yeah,
0: lead weights in there. Oh, and didn't they get shamed about oh, it? Oh, yeah. You was that have, here or was that
1: overseas? Nah, Sorry that monitor. was in America. Oh, was it?
0: Yeah, that was the walleye. They were filling walleyes. I think they are walleyes or something like that. They were filling their guts full of lead to get <laughs> <to> increased weight. <laughs> now, you know, if it was to be a part of the Olympics, there's so many fishing comps now, Spider, where you don't keep the fish. You have a point system, you take a picture of it on the measuring board, you know, and you get points and you fill out your forms and whatnot, like the Flathead Classic on the Gold Coast. Yep. And it's a good way to justify how many fish are in the system that we're fishing Um, because no one's allowed to keep a fish. Yeah. Uh, There's two different ways of fishing for them, soft plastics or hard bodies, so you're either a trawler or a chucker. Um, And, I mean, I think comps like that give great scientific value into species of fish. Uh, We're not killing everything just to upgrade, yeah. Which I think's, you know, with bag limits nowadays we've got to be careful in the amount of sharks that are eating fish. We've you know, we've gotta keep what we want for a feed, but having comps like this in the Olympics, are going to be fantastic.
1: There we go. Look at that. We've gone from <laughs> Julian's question about getting some uh, nine and ten-year-olds out there fishing to saying, you know what, one day they could represent Australia yeah, in the Olympics. For fishing.
0: How cool would that be? I reckon you'd get more kids involved in fishing if it was a part of the Olympics. There you go. That's what I'm saying.
1: Okay, let's bring it out. What do you reckon?
0: <laughs> well, I'll go straight to the man next week. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, well, it's always good to get the kids out fishing. Absolutely, Herb. Yes. I think anytime you can, the earlier, the better. But um, you know, another great episode next week. We are going over to New Zealand. We're going to cross the ditch. Oh. The seventh state of Australia, they say. But Baz <laughs> from the Coromandel, oh. he loves his snapper fishing. Doesn't
0: he? Hasn't he got a tail or two? <laughs> Definitely. And then we've got destination of the week, a place I love dearly, hold close to my heart, been there quite a few times Nambucka Heads. It's an absolute genius. of northern New South Wales, and I believe everyone should go there to experience the fishing and the holidaying of Nambucca Heads.
1: Every time someone says northern New South Wales now, I I have to still remember, I think it was in the early days, we spoke to JC on episode 10, 11, or 12.
0: Inspirational, man.
1: Absolutely, but remember when he said a pelican flew over him and shit on his head? Yeah. That's all I mean. He was says, like a big target, wasn't he? <laughs> he, was, he couldn't run away from because nah, he's got no legs. He's got no legs. He said, that's all. I ever, whenever someone says Northern New South Wales, I just think of this big pelican. Sitting on AC
0: <laughs> <laughs> He did catch a metre plus flathead there, but you've got to take your hat off to nah, him. That's what he tells us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, well, look, we look forward to that conversation next week. And uh, stay safe on the water. Over.